know about stereotyping and implicit bias, it can be challenging to see beyond what pops into our minds when we hear where someone is from. So let's try it. Hi, I'm Erica. I'm from China. Hi, I'm Erica. I'm from Texas. Hey, I'm Erica. I'm from Milwaukee. I'm from the UP. Wow. LA. DC. I don't know about you, but for me, each automatically conjures up different images as our brains rapidly try to classify this new person and where they're from as a potential friend, threat, or yet to be determined. As a Taiwanese-American woman, I have long been wary of this question, where are you from? Because it sometimes comes with an assumption of otherness. Often I recognize that it is a probe for connection, for just the cultural norm of being in a place where thousands of people are moving to every single year. But there have been enough times when my answers that I was born and raised in California do not satisfy the box that someone is trying to tick off figuring out where to place me in the narratives that they are working from. But I admit, I do the exact same thing too. Try as I might not to. Those ingrained reflexes of categorization kicking in before I can stop them. I think though, that beneath this question, there is this deep desire for human connection. It is natural to want to find some kind of connection where you're from works. We want to find people who are like-minded, who share the same values. And where are you from? That is the quick gauge we can use to decide whether this conversation will end shortly, or perhaps might be pulled into something more. The follow-up inquiries about what high school, shout out to Waisera High, from Waisera High, undergraduate institution or job, that you come from, that helps us kind of narrow social media search, because come on, admit it, we're all creeping, so that we can further assess who does this person belong to? How have they been shaped? The discernment, whether conscious or not, I think stems from our own pursuit. We're trying to figure out or confirm who we are and to whom we belong. While none of us comes with a blank slate, Starting life in a new place presents an opportunity to explore, decide if we maybe want to reset things a bit. Perhaps there have been identities that have felt like they've been forced upon us, not from our own choosing. Or we have spent a lot of time curating one that we have felt like we need to look like or be like, but we're supposed to be from those internal pressures and external. It is easy to fall into narratives that have been preset both for ourselves and for those that we encounter. Whether we feel affinity, repulsion, maybe just neutral about where we have come from, there is a lot to unpack about how we have been formed, even as we continue being formed and discovering who we are and who we belong to. In today's scripture from the Gospel of John, we see a similar inquiry taking place when Jesus enters a community of new people. His reputation preceded him because his cousin John the Baptist had this habit of shouting, Lamb of God, every time he walked by. So it's kind of a fan of what we having. But it's safe to say that people had preconceived notions, including Nathaniel, who upon learning that Jesus was from Nazareth, could not help express his doubt by saying, anything good come from Nazareth? 
they're creeping on Jesus. They're following behind from a distance. And so Jesus turned around and asked them, what are you looking for? Instead of admitting the rumors they had heard, they asked where he was sticking. It is interesting to know how Jesus responded. After all, he knew exactly what they were fishing for. They wanted to see if he was the Messiah, the Lamb of God. He lived up all to the height. But rather than confirm the gossip and the stump speech or, you know, prove his child's with a dazzling miracle, Jesus simply invited them to come spend time with him. One of the seemingly random details included in this story, maybe you noticed, I feel like it kind of just gets stuck in there, is it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Kind of like our time right now. And we know from the text the disciples remained with Jesus the rest of the washed up, ate a meal, they shared a conversation, I'm sure there were awkward silences, for an extended amount of time. Presumably questions were asked, but within a spaciousness that allowed for discovery and complexity. They could get beyond Jesus for being, that, being from that no-good town in Nazareth, and then being fangirl disciples who come from John. They began to connect with each other on a much level. For Jesus also has a way of calling people into truer versions of themselves. So when Simon, if you remember from the story, when Simon encountered Jesus for the first time, he actually came with a lot of history and an identity carved out for him that seemed inevitable. His father was a fisherman. His grandfather was a fisherman. And therefore he was a fisherman. But where he came from not the whole story. As Simon approached, Jesus called him by a new name, Peter, a foreshadowing of the person God was calling him to become. As Simon Peter spent more time with Jesus and more time with the other disciples, long-standing prejudices that he held were disrupted. It opened up new possibilities. Eventually, it transformed his life and led to relationships with Gentiles, Something that was unthinkable for Jews like Peter because of the sharp societal divides at that time. The invitation from Jesus to come and see expanded the boundaries of who the disciples understood themselves to be and to whom they belonged. This story from the beginning of the Gospel of John gives us another way of imagining how we connect with others. One that works against the cultural scripts which tend towards the in-group, out-group paradigm that our society is addicted to. It makes space for encounters to grow into relationships that can transform us. When Jesus says, come and see, it is an invitation into the practice of wonder. Especially when we find ourselves feeling judgmental, defensive, maybe even scared. Valerie Gore, sick activist lawyer, she was the founder, she is the founder of Revolutionary Love Project and the author of the book, See No Stranger. Highly recommend it. It's a great book. She writes that wonder is the wellspring of love. Wonder is the wellspring of love. So whenever we bump into someone who triggers an uncomfortable response in us, 
community that we are seeking to build here. It's not based on professing the same statement of faith or even being with like-minded people, as comfortable as that is. We are interested in practicing the radical love that Jesus embodied to wonder in a way that forms us into people who are able to love our enemies and treat the folks and creation all around us as our siblings. So it starts with the Lord's Supper every Sunday, which we do, where Jesus calls people who ordinarily would have nothing to do with one another to come sit at the same table and share a meal. With the nourishment of grace that he feeds to us, we are empowered to take a step of faith in connecting with others who are not like us. We do this not with a voyeuristic curiosity that presumes the right to know, but with a wonder that awakens our whole selves to God's spirit moving in all of creation. We continue training the spiritual muscle of wonder with exercises like coffee buttons, where we have the opportunity to practice seeing strangers as our siblings that we do not yet know. We make small groups part of our weekly rhythm because we believe spending regular time with others is foundational in creating a beloved community, one that embodies God's love by actually practicing forgiveness, justice, grace, and hope with one another. We grow into who God is calling us to become by wondering together, asking meaningful questions like, what do you need? Where is it hurt? Where are we going? And then we listen, and we live out those responses in relationship with one another. For transformation does not happen in isolation, but in the loving community. This is the invitation that Jesus extends to us, to come and see. It will require us to slow down. No small task in the driven environment of UWFs. Because we have to prioritize the practice of wonder, which is neither quick nor predictable. But oh, I promise you, the fruits of this endeavor are worth it. As we are surprised by the vast ways God has imprinted herself on others and discover who we are becoming as we follow Jesus. I hope you will come and wonder with us as we together 